Hello, and thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene, where we exist to help people take their next step in a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope that as you listen, you are both encouraged and challenged as you take that next step in your walk with Christ. It is great to be here with you all this morning. I want to be honest with you. A couple of weeks ago, uh, I was asked to preach over divorce, and I was stressed out about that. I think I'm more stressed out for this sermon than I was for that sermon. And for those of you who don't know, um, I'm just going to, let's just make this public. Let's get the elephant out of the room right now. Uh, Several months ago, in the midst of um, uh, trying to recite the Lord's Prayer, one service, I just happened to forget it, and I messed it up on numerous occasions. And today, Chip, he says it was accidentally. But uh, it just so happens that I get to preach over the Lord's Prayer today. Um, So we're just going to get that out of there. Um, Everyone knows we all recognize this. So hopefully hopefully I can get through it today. Um, When I was in college, there was a particular class that I found dreadfully boring. Um, Well, not just one class, but many classes. But... uh, (laughs) Not only was this class dreadfully boring, but I also found it very difficult to understand. I'd go to lectures, come from lectures, and I would tell myself, yeah, I got it today, but in the midst of trying to do the homework or the practice problems, uh, it just was not clicking for me. And what would happen is, a lot of my classmates, a lot of my peers, they seemed to understand it quite well which made me very embarrassed and made me intimidated. And I would avoid my classmates. We, I would go to lecture with them, but the minute we got out of lecture, the minute we tried to start the homework problems or whatnot, um, I would steer clear. I would go back to my dorm room and start to do them on my own, thinking, okay, I can figure this out. I'll figure it out all on my own. I'll, I will catch up eventually. Well, when it came time to prepare for that first exam, me being continually intimidated by my classmates, I continue to stay away from them. So while they are all over here talking and discussing what it is to prepare for this exam uh, and working through the problems on their own, I'm over here by myself thinking, I got this. I can do this. Um, Well, let's just say that first exam did not go so well. In fact, to this day, I can tell you, I can tell you the details of where I was sitting in the back of the class. I can tell you the details of the day as I received that exam paper. And out of all of the exams I have ever attempted, this was by far the worst grade I have ever received. I I will not, I'm not going to tell you the grade on this exam, but uh, I will not forget. I will not forget what that felt like. As I looked around to all my classmates and I'm hearing them list off their grades. And it was so incredibly humiliating. It was humbling. Uh, Here I thought I could figure all of this out on my own. I'd eventually catch up, and it never came to. Well, at this point in time, I was at least humbled enough to where I knew I had to go find some classmates. I knew I had to find someone who was smarter than me, who understood better than me, and maybe who was uh, working through the practice problems a little bit more, um, just more diligently than I was. Now, fortunately, because I had the sense to go look for somebody else, I ended up finishing well in the class after that first exam. Praise that I finished well. I passed, at least. 
But the fact of the matter is, is that in the midst of me thinking I had it all figured out, the more that I studied, the more that I prepared, the worse it got. I thought I was doing all of the right things by studying and preparing, but the more I was doing it, I was just studying and preparing incorrectly. You know, friends, today, uh, as Christians, many of us, as Christians, we are enrolled in the kingdom of heaven. Whether we realize it or not, as Christians, we are children of God. We have entered into his reality, his domain, and it's a reality that isn't natural to us. It's a domain that isn't logical to us. And so as we have continued through this series, the Sermon on the Mount, we have heard some of amazing truths. Incredible truths as Jesus has introduced to us the Beatitudes and what it is to live and, and not hate and to, and to not lust and to stay committed and to no longer be dependent on seeking approval from others. We've seen these amazing truths, but they are difficult truths. In fact, these truths are almost provocative in nature because they are countercultural to who we are. They're illogical. They don't make sense to our day-to-day lives. And as contrary as they are, it makes it very difficult to live into these truths practically each and every day. And if we are not careful, if we're not careful about how we approach this new reality, the kingdom of heaven, we could end up very much like myself, wide-eyed, confused, wondering what in the world just went wrong. And we ultimately could end up frustrated as we are living in God's kingdom. I know that doesn't seem to make sense to us, that we could actually be frustrated in the midst of trying to live in the kingdom of God. But in Jesus' amazing wisdom and his excellent teaching abilities, he doesn't just leave us in this state of confusion. He knows who we are. He knows our tendencies. He knows what's natural for us. He knows that we're going to try to figure things out on our own. So before we can even begin to accept the help that Jesus wants to offer us, we have to begin to recognize that we need help. That in the midst of a kingdom that is illogical to us or contrary to our nature, we can't be our own means to kingdom living. We need someone greater, smarter, more diligent than us. So right at the center of this amazing sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, in the midst of bringing up all of these incredibly difficult topics to grasp, Jesus shows us, Jesus shows us the true and only means by which we can successfully live in and discover the beauty that is the kingdom of God. Of heaven. And even, even if we go through our days feeling we just failed an exam worse and worse and worse and worse, we can know that in the midst of the kingdom reality that we are doing something right. We can have confidence that we are actually living in to the kingdom that God has for us properly. So today we, we discuss the Lord's Prayer. In Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 9, we see how Jesus, in the center of it all, in the center of it all, in the center of this great, amazing, 
incomprehensible sermon. Everything hinges upon this moment. This is the climax of the Sermon on the Mount. It falls quite literally right in the middle. And I don't think this is a coincidence. Because everything leading up to this point in time is impossible to live into on our own. And everything that comes afterward is impossible to live into on our own. We need this prayer. So I pray to God right now that I do not botch this up. So let's read together. Don't, let me just read it. Let me see if I can just do this on my own real quick, all right? Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. No applause? No, I mean, there's a, thank you. Thank, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Months of hard work do not go unnoticed. You know, at the beginning of this prayer, we see this very intentional statement, this very, this very thought-provoking statement, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. This is incredibly specific, and we cannot take this for granted. This beginning of praise and worship saying, hallowed be your name. Most holy is your name. Your name be revered. Your name held high in esteem. This isn't an empty phrase. This isn't just trying to get on God's good side. You see, when, Adam, when, when, when Satan entered the world, way at the beginning, in the midst of God's garden when satan entered the world he brought sin with him and he deceived adam and eve into thinking that they could be like god he deceived them into thinking that they could have their own kingdoms he deceived them into thinking that they are the ones who would be held high in esteem their own names glorified they thought that they could be the means by which they brought beauty to this earth but when the fall occurred, all of a sudden, the means by which the earth would be ruled went from being God-centered to self-centered. With this prayer, though, with this prayer as Jesus is ushering forth the kingdom of heaven, just as it was in the Garden of Eden, Jesus is saying, no, you can't rely on yourself. Jesus is realigning our recognition of our need for someone greater in our lives. This is why we begin with praise and worship. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Most holy is your name, not my name. Most holy is yours. By opening with praise, we are fighting our sinful nature. The sin that we have inherited from Adam and Eve, this original sin that is in, that is in us. By praying this prayer, we are going against it intentionally. Reminding ourselves that we are not the ones to be glorified, that we are the ones who don't have control over this earth, or that we are the means of bringing beauty to this earth. Jesus is reminding us with this prayer that it's God. It's his holy name. 
the kingdom truths that Jesus is teaching all throughout this sermon, they're not successful because we think we know them. They're successful because God is the means by which they are implemented, not ourselves. From the very beginning, there is no mistaking. From the beginning of this prayer, there is no mistaking the means by which we live successfully in the kingdom of heaven. There is no mistaking by which we experience beauty in this new reality, and it is only through our Father. Not by ourselves, not through our own abilities or, un, or, or our own understanding. It is only through our Father. We cannot disregard or take for granted the opening of this prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. It quite literally recenters our viewpoint. It turns us from inward to Godward. So that our vision is no longer on us, but it, our vision is turned to see the God who is ruling this kingdom. And then we continue then. In verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so as we continue this prayer, not only are we recognizing, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, I am not the means to this, God is the means to this. But if we are not the means to this, then it also means that our wishes, our needs, our desires are also not the thing that we're trying to establish in this world. Each and every one of us, by our very nature, because we come from Adam and Eve, we desire our own little middle, uh, mini kingdoms, if you will. We are trying to implement our own little kingdoms in the world around us, trying to bring everyone to worship ourselves. This is our nature, trying to rise up above everybody else. But we are reminded in praying this, that it's not our kingdom. This isn't our reality that we are controlling. It's the kingdom of God. It's not simply saying also this isn't simply saying, hey, God, one day, would you make sure your kingdom came down to this earth? It's not saying, hey, one day, one day, would you bring your kingdom of heaven here? This prayer is in the immediate. This prayer is right now. This prayer, look, brothers and sisters, if you are a Christian, if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, then you have entered as a child of God into his kingdom, which is right now. We are not waiting to one day enter his kingdom. We are in his kingdom. And so when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, we're not praying for simply the future. Yes, that is our ultimate hope, that one day the totality of heaven would surround this earth. But we are praying right now, Lord, would you impact my life today and in the lives of those around me? Your kingdom come, your will be done. Your reality, in the way that you want it, may it become a reality in my life. It is only through the power of the kingdom of heaven that this earth is able to be redeemed. Friends, we have seen what our kingdoms do to this world. It is only through the power of the kingdom of God that this earth is being restored from its broken state. That it's being made whole as more and more people come to place their faith in Christ. Yes, we watch the news and it may seem broken and terrible, but friends, all around this world, the kingdom of heaven is expanding with people placing their faith in Jesus Christ for the very first time. And in that way, this earth is being restored and redeemed. 
And so we continue to pray, may it be that your kingdom comes and continues to impact this world right now. But again, we have to be aware of our own tendencies because even as Christians, even as child, children of God, we forget who our Father is. In our very sinful natures, we try to expand our own kingdoms. And so when we go throughout our days, when we go throughout our days without realigning ourselves to this prayer, to this reality of who God is and who we are, then ultimately we go inadvertently expanding our own kingdoms. If we're not waking up in the morning or going to bed at night focused on who God is in our lives, then ultimately we are just continuing to, probably subconsciously, trying to get people to come to us rather than to get people to go to God. And we don't think about this. Because we're lacking intentionality with who God is. We live in a state of continually being distracted by our inability to live in a kingdom that is contrary to our nature we think to ourselves i'll figure this out i'll figure this out i'll figure this out this whole thing is frustrating but i'll figure this out i mean it's it's very much like me trying to study for an exam and i'm studying the wrong material the more i study incorrectly the more and more i'm unable to learn what i'm supposed to learn And in the same way, the more and more that I try to live in my own kingdom, when I try to insert my own will into God's kingdom, the more and more frustrated I become with God's kingdom. We become a resentful little child as the Father is just trying to love on us. It's not through our own efforts or our own kingdoms that this world will be made whole. You, my friends, do not have the answers. I do not have the answer to solve the problems of this world. It can only come through the power of the kingdom of heaven. Not by our own means, but by our Father. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Verse 11 continues. Give us today... Our daily bread. Such a little short phrase. But if I personally had to rank the difficulty of the truth of this prayer, this would be number two. The second most difficult to grasp. Give us today our daily bread. We, the, the reality of this statement, this, this cannot be understated. As kingdom citizens, as those who are, who are living in the reality of God, we cannot simply come to understand what it means to live with God one day a week. This cannot happen. We cannot learn kingdom language. We cannot learn kingdom culture. We cannot learn the ways of God by simply binging on kingdom stuff or churchy stuff once a week. Twice a month. It just cannot happen. This kingdom is contrary to our nature. This kingdom is literally out of this world. And if we are of this world, then we can't simply rely on, okay, I'm going to cram right now. I'm going to learn everything there is to know about the kingdom of heaven. And then I'll know everything for tomorrow. That's not how this works. 
Our entire lives, day in and day out, must be dedicated to learning and consuming what is the kingdom. I mean, think about it. If, if you are studying a brand new topic, if you want to go learn something new, you can't just learn something all in one night. You can't learn how to masterfully play the piano all in one night. You can't learn how to play a certain sport all in one night. And if we can't do this with things of this world, then how much more so can we not do this with something of the kingdom of heaven? Therefore, we need to learn on a daily basis. We cannot rely on ourselves. And so we must continually pray this each and every day. Repetition, repetition, repetition. It's a process of learning. It's a process of building kingdom muscle memory so that our natural instinct is to go straight to God and to rely on him. God gives us today what we need for today. What we can understand for today. What we can walk through for today. So often though we say, God, give me more, give me more, give me more. Help me. I want to figure this out now so I don't have to come back to you for at least a couple of months. But when we do this, when we pray, God, let me, give me all the answers I need for the next month. When we pray, God, help me figure out what my future has in store for me for the next 5, 10, 15 years. I mean, it's kind of like sitting at a fire hose when we do this. And at first, you know, we turn the fire hose on just a little bit, so we're getting just the right amount each and every day, and it's continually giving us. But the thing is, we get impatient. We say to ourselves, I want all of the water that I could ever possibly need for the rest of my life, and if I can have that now, then I'll never have to come back to this fire hose. And so we pray, God, give me the answers for this entire week, for this entire month. And so what happens then is, if we actually wanted that to happen, if God would allow that to happen, it would be as if he just turned the fire hose all the way up and all of a sudden at what was a steady flow becomes an overwhelming amount and we're blown away. We pray for all of the answers, but we can't handle all of the answers. We pray that God would show us our future 5, 10, 15 years from now or even a week from now. The fact of the matter is we can only handle today. We can only handle today, so we pray, God, give me today my daily bread. And we pray this each and every day. God, give me today what I can handle today so that I can continue to grow in your kingdom. And we continue. Verse 12 And forgive us our debts, as we also, as we also have forgiven our debtors. So if verse 11, give us today our daily bread, was the number two on the ranking for the most difficult, here comes verse 12. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. In the midst of recognizing our need, in the midst of recognizing that we need someone greater, someone more powerful, someone more sustaining than ourselves, and recognizing that we cannot be the means by which we experience the beauty of the kingdom of heaven, we also have to recognize that we do not deserve it. We do not deserve the beauty that is the kingdom of heaven. None of us are perfect. We are all sinners. From a white lie to murder, we are all 
sinners and therefore we are all equally separated from God. None of us deserve the kingdom of heaven. None of us can possibly live to the standards that have been set before us even in this Sermon on the Mount. You know, we are told that kingdom living is the way in which we can experience light burdens. I mean, Jesus says himself later on that his work is easy and that his burden is light. Not, not because in the kingdom we all get our dream jobs and are able to rest on the beach for the rest of our lives, but because in the midst of the kingdom, all of our earthly troubles have a lesser priority. But our own sinfulness gets in the way. Our own sinfulness keeps us from truly experiencing what the kingdom would have for us. This is why we need forgiveness. This is why we pray for forgiveness. When we pray for forgiveness, we are humbled. We recognize, God, would you heal me? Would you restore me? Would you redeem me so that I can continue to live into the beauty that is your kingdom? We recognize our need. We realize that we cannot do it on our own. We pray for forgiveness, not because God hasn't already forgiven us, but we pray for forgiveness as a means of relying on God. When we pray for forgiveness, it's as if God is at our hearts, chiseling away the hardness. Chiseling away anything that would keep us from closing out the kingdom around us. When God chisels, our hearts become more open to kingdom beauty. It's as if our hearts go from being all boarded up and God comes in and says, let me forgive you. And he starts pounding away all the boards that close our doors and windows to our very heart. But then it continues. If we skip verse 13, I'm not forgetting verse 13. I didn't forget it. Just make mention of this. But if we skip verse 13, go to verse 14 real quick. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. You see, friends, today we need forgiveness as much as anyone else. We need forgiveness as much as anyone else. And if we are unable to forgive those around us, then we are refusing to recognize our own need for a Savior. If we refuse forgiveness to those around us, we refuse our need for a savior. We maintain a hardness of heart and close out the kingdom from our lives. When we refuse our need of a savior, we deny the grace of God working in our life. And therefore we keep the kingdom from impacting our lives. God does not force and will not force his grace upon us, but first we need to accept our own very severe, our own very drastic need for a savior. I mean, think about this. I received help from my classmates after I received an incredibly poor grade. Now imagine after I had received this help from a classmate, if someone else was struggling and they came to me and said, hey, would you help me? And I said, nah, I figured it out. Can't you figure it out? And by doing so, I pretended like I didn't even need help. Is this right? No. But this is exactly what we do when we refuse forgiveness to someone else who has hurt us. Because we have already been forgiven well beyond what we deserve. Well beyond anything that we could possibly forgive somebody else. And when we refuse forgiveness to someone else, we re- we miss to see our own need for a savior, our own need for our own help. 
we become our own saviors to ourselves and to the world around us. By praying for forgiveness, we continually recognize our need, our own brokenness, our own sinfulness, and we cast it up to our beautiful heavenly Father. And then we come to the end. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Right before the fall, Adam and Eve, they're living in bliss in the garden. And we're not told of any other temptation that they may have um, experienced before this particular temptation. And instead of looking for God, instead of looking for his knowledge, for his protection, for his provision, Satan comes in, he deceives Adam and Eve because they think that they can handle Satan all on their own. They think that they can work through it on their own. They think that they can figure it out. And so Adam and Eve, in being deceived, they both made the decision to eat of the fruit. And so today we are are told, hey, don't follow in the footsteps of those who went before you in this way. Today we are shown that we cannot rely on ourselves, that Satan is bigger than us, that he is more conniving than us. We are not smarter than Satan. He will come around us. We cannot defeat Satan on our own, but it says, and lead us not into temptation, but you, God, you, Heavenly Father, you be the one who delivers us from the evil one. Friends, you cannot handle a spiritual attack on your own. And believe it or not, each and every day will have a spiritual attack in some unique way. If you are not relying on the Father, then you are allowing Satan to grab a foothold into your life. When we don't recognize our own need, when we don't recognize that we need God above ourselves, we allow Satan to continue to carve away at who we are. Today we cry out to our Father asking for his protection, for his discernment, for his strength, and for his abilities, rather than trying to take Satan on on our own. Friends, today, this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, it's, 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 I read today, it's, I read this past week, it's interesting, we call it the Lord's Prayer, but it's really the disciples' prayer. <laughs> this is literally what Jesus said, hey, go and pray this. This wasn't meant for, for Jesus. This was meant for you and for me so that each and every day we would live this out. And in doing so, we then recognize that we are not the answer to living in the kingdom. But if we are going to live in the kingdom, if we are going to accept the invitation of God, then we need to face upward instead of inward. Lord, turn me upward instead of inward. This prayer, it takes the focus off of us. It helps us to recognize that we need someone so much more than us. This prayer is a prayer of recognizing that we cannot do this life on our own. It's hard enough to live in this world on our own, let alone trying to live in a kingdom that is not of this world. We are being invited to accept not only the kingdom of heaven, but God's way of living in this kingdom, which is the only way of living in this kingdom. We are being offered all of the beauty of God. But so often we want to do it on our own. 
The Lord's Prayer is the disciples' prayer, and it is a prayer of saying, Lord, would you turn me upward so that I see you instead of myself. You see, this world ultimately in its full goodness, the world was designed to have its maker and its designer as its ruler. The world was meant to have God overseeing it, but you and I, since the beginning of the fall, we have made it all about us. And so at the fullness of time, Jesus comes in and says, hold up, I've got a different way. I've got a new way. Are you tired of living in the frustration of trying to figure everything out on your own? And if you are, I've got just the solution. And it's God himself. This is why we start off our prayer by saying, our Father, most holy is your name. I can't do it. My friends can't do it. I need you today. And in doing so, we then recognize how low we are, but how high God is. And we recognize by taking our focus off ourselves and turning it upward saying, God, give me today my daily bread. And forgive me of my own selfishness and sin and help me to forgive those around me. And in doing so, we experience the beauty of the kingdom of heaven. And this, my friends, is the greatest news that this earth will ever see. You know, right before I pray, right before we move on, wherever you are at right now, in life, in this world, trying to figure out the next step, the next week, the next month, the next year, would this be your prayer? Would this be your life? Throughout this series, this is the climax. It doesn't get any better than this right now. Everything hinges on this. The disciples' prayer. Would you respond to this invitation? Would you accept what God has for you today? And we're going to take communion here in just a few moments. And we're going to recite this prayer together. <laughs> I'm not going to lead it. But we're going to do this today. Would this be a reality in your Father, we come to you right now, this morning. And we give you all the praise and honor. And we cry out, hallowed is your name, most holy is your name. God, we praise you and we thank you for who you are. What you're doing in this church, what you're doing through your word in our lives. God, would you expand the kingdom, your kingdom through us. Would you humble us? Would you chisel away at our hearts? Would you recognize, help us recognize what it is to be turned upward instead of inward? We thank you. We praise you. It's through the power of your Holy Spirit 
and in the beautiful name of your son, Jesus, we all pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to join us each Sunday morning at 9 or 1030 a.m. for weekly worship and community with other believers. For more information about upcoming events or ways you can connect, find us on Facebook or visit us at napnaz.org. Have a great week.